Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lizenby. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. What's new, Kate? How is pre-spring New York treating you? I can't wait. (laughs) To be (laughs) honest, I don't leave the house very frequently right now, and I never thought that I would be hanging out in a park at the end of February in the city. However, I can feel spring on the horizon, and that makes me really happy. I especially love upstate New York during this time, but what about you? How are you? How are the Azores? I'm hanging in there. It's pretty windy and stormy still, and as someone who talks about how much she loves winter, this is about the time I start feeling the desire for spring, mm-hmm. which is why today we're going to talk about the maiden who signals the arrival of better weather and is the queen of the spring equinox. Amazing. Shall we jump in? Yes. When we refer to the maiden, we talk about her as she appears in the initial phase of the triple goddess. The triple goddess is an archetype that refers to the collective unity of the maiden, mother, and crone, or the different stages of growth, self-discovery, creation, and the states of being within a human's life. Although originally believed to be strictly feminine in nature, I like to think that all humans, regardless of gender, will identify with each phase at some point during their existence. The maiden is sometimes called the huntress or the virgin. She is the waxing moon and the dawn of a new day. The maiden signals newness, and folklore surrounding this archetype is heightened during the springtime months. The maiden is young, not a child, but not yet an adult. She is almost always referred to as stunningly beautiful, perhaps a bit naive, but overflowing with promise and possibility. This archetype is visible in folklore and myth, and we don't have to dig too deep to find her. All we have to do is look at the story of Persephone to see her transformation from maiden to mother. Before Persephone was the queen of the underworld, she was Kor, beloved daughter of Demeter, whose name literally translates to maiden, or young woman. We can also look at pretty much any Disney movie, like The Little Mermaid, Snow White, and especially Sleeping Beauty, where the young princess, Aurora, endures a gauntlet of trickery and bad luck courtesy of Maleficent. Aurora is eventually saved by the prince with a little help from her fairy godmothers. I do want to mention that, in many stories, the maiden is the damsel in distress, and it kills me. I know that Kate and I have talked about this off-air in excess. Oh, absolutely. 
I was working through some odd feelings that I felt arise in myself when you had suggested that we do this week's episode on the maiden. And I think that so much of that was because of that damsel in distress stereotype. I always loved Meg and Disney's Hercules because I felt like she was so over that archetype in all of the princess movies. But when I think about it, what's more tough than being young, really? It's so messy, the whole coming to be thing. And you mentioned Persephone, and I really want to say that that's something that's helped me in my relationship with Maiden, um, the idea of initiation, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. Yeah, I'm happy that you're going to talk a little bit about Persephone. I feel like because of her unique circumstances, she is a maiden that so many of us are drawn to. Mm -hmm. So like we said, the idea that the young woman needs to be saved to succeed is a tired trope. But unfortunately, it's one that has been recycled over and over again so often that it's become part of the culture surrounding the maiden. So I want to share a different version. I liken the maiden to that of the student. Because she's young, she's still trying to figure out her role in the world. In her eyes, everything is a lesson, and the earth and her creatures are her faithful teachers. The maiden sees wonder in even the simplest of things, and above all else, she's curious. I love that. I think... The archetype of the student and the joy of learning is such a gorgeous reminder of what maiden can mean. Yeah, and in many tales, that curiosity is the driving force in the story, but it's also what gets her into trouble. It reminds me of the saying, curiosity killed the cat, which I guess is supposed to deter us from wanting to know more and learn more. But it was that same curiosity that led me to investigate this phrase a few years back. I discovered several variations of this saying, one of them being, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought him back, which sort of leads me to believe that a curious spirit can never die, because the satisfaction that we experience after discovering whatever it is that called to us will resurrect us. And in doing so, we are transformed and live on. Wait, Kristen, that's the full saying? Has it always been that way and we just cropped it short? I think the original proverb was a bit different. They used a word other than curiosity, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. I know that over the years it's evolved and people still like to argue which version is correct and which one came first. Mm -hmm. So... All this to say, it feels like the maiden and the cat might have something in common. The maiden is trying to figure out where she fits in the great puzzle of life, and she's doing it through the pursuit of knowledge, a journey that I fully support and can say from firsthand experience is full of challenges, failures, victories, and eventually, hopefully, breakthroughs. I see the maiden as a teenager, or someone in her early 20s, but I think it's important to note that while the maiden is associated with youth, she's an archetype. That means we can connect with her when we're 40, 50, or even 100 years old. Depending on our personality and situation, it can get more difficult with age, likely because the playful nature of the maiden can become buried in the duties and responsibilities that come with adulthood. 
whenever we feel like we've lost our way or are unfulfilled with our current trajectory, working with the maiden can help us refocus and remind us to not take ourselves too seriously. Life isn't just about going to work and paying bills. She can help us gain new perspectives or remember old perspectives. She is the goddess of fresh starts, new ventures, and untapped potential. She's a clean slate. I mentioned earlier that the maiden is sometimes referred to as the virgin. And despite what it sounds like, this isn't a reference to her sexuality. In this sense, virgin refers to the maiden's independence. Although she has a close bond with her mother and grandmother in the form of the mother and crone archetypes, She is the ruler of her body and her thoughts. Although she is still trying to figure out the details of her life, she knows that within her and her alone lies the potential to be and do whatever she wants, so long as she's true to herself. Yeah, that independence is so potent and reminds me of Artemis, who we mentioned during the Moon Magic episode, along with her relationship to the waxing moon. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping you would mention Artemis. Next to Persephone, she is who I think of when I imagine the maiden. Also, for anyone wanting to dive into the Persephone myth further, Kristen and I did an earlier episode on her story. Yeah, I think it was episode six, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. I also think a little bit about Beginner's Mind or the Fool card in the Major Arcana and Tarot. The maiden carries the energy of excitement right before a big adventure, or sometimes a spiritual transformation. You mentioned Persephone earlier, and that also reminded me of Inanna. Inanna is a goddess of Sumerian mythology. She is also known as Ishtar in some of the traditions and stories. I'm going to simplify the myth a lot here, so hear me out. But her most famous story is her descent into and return from the underworld. During the tale, Inanna attempts to conquer the domain of her older sister, the queen of the underworld. She has to remove her grandeur and luxurious clothing to pass through the gates of the underworld. However, the rulers of the underworld strike her dead because of her pride. Three days later, her advisor and companion in her travels pleads with the gods to bring Inanna back. All of them refuse her except for one, and two beings escort Inanna out of the underworld. But during a gala, the guardians of the underworld drag her husband down to the underworld as her replacement. Her husband is eventually permitted to return to heaven for half of the year, while her sister remains in the underworld for the other half, resulting in the cycle of the seasons. What strikes me so much about the story is the willingness to descend into the underworld, and whether Persephone or Inanna, there is a sort of departure or leaving behind what is known in order to grow or to change or to learn. This also reminds me of Vasilisa the Wise or Vasilisa the Beautiful in her encounter with Baba Yaga. When Vasilisa's good mother dies and she is faced with the shadow of her stepfamily, she heads into the woods to gather light from Baba Yaga in the forest. Vasilisa arrives at the house of Baba Yaga, which is a shack standing on chicken legs. 
The pathway is lit by candles and skulls, and in Vasilisa's pocket is a doll from her mother, a reminder of her intuition and her own inner knowing. The doll helps Vasilisa through the challenges that Baba Yaga puts forth and is symbolic of this young maiden's intuition. I wrote a story for Magic and Alchemy the blog about Baba Yaga back in the fall if anyone wants to explore her character more fully. In Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is probably my version of the Bible, my copy is so worn and thin, and there is actually blood on the pages, but (laughs) Kristen, I'm sure you have a similar experience with your copy. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's funny because whenever I see someone reading that book, it almost always looks tattered, like it's been read a hundred times and shared with a hundred friends, which I love. It gives me chills. Relics. Yes. In this chapter in the book about Vasilisa, Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes talks about initiation in relation to the wild woman. The chapter is called Nosing Out the Facts, the Retrieval of Intuition as Initiation. She starts with the story with one of the oldest storytelling devices, once there was and once there was not, which I love. But I think that when we think about maiden, mother, and crone, the ultimate goal or practice is to kind of bring these archetypes in balance together, right? Yes. We don't have to identify solely with one, nor should we although we likely will be drawn to one over another at various stages in our life. Yeah, and so she writes about how when we do bring these into balance, we're experiencing that sort of wild woman archetype. And when they can be realized together, we can experience wholeness, we can experience and give ourselves into initiation, and we can tap into our own inner knowing. At the end of the tale, she says, So here at the end of the resetting of initiation into the feminine psyche, we have a young woman with formidable experiences who has learned to follow her knowing. She's endured through all the tasks of initiation. The crown is hers. Perhaps recognizing intuition is the easier of the tasks. But holding it in consciousness and letting live what can live and letting die what must die is by far the more strenuous yet so satisfying aim. And I know that's something that I struggle with continually in my own work, especially as someone who is at the beginning of my Saturn return, which is an initiation in its own right. How to let go of things and how to trust. Kristen, how do you reconcile this as someone who has kind of gone through this process? Oh, wow. What a question. Um, Of course, there's not a one-size-fits-all response that I can give. I went totally extreme at the start of my return, Mm -hmm. which involved quitting my job, breaking off an engagement, and moving to the other end of California. But looking back, it's easy to see that that loss gave me the clean slate that I needed. Without it, I likely would have never given myself the permission to stand on my own and figure out what it was that I really wanted to do with my life, instead of just keeping up appearances and doing what I thought people expected me to do. Mm -hmm. For me, books and writing and meditation were my saviors during maidenhood, but I think exploring practices that stimulate flow, whether that be art, 
yoga, dance, or whatever it is that keeps nudging you will help guide you. That flow state is so helpful when trying to generate trust in yourself. I'm not saying that you or anyone should go as radical (laughs) as I did on my maiden journey, but of course you can. It led me here and I don't regret it for one second. Thank you so much for that. And I, I really love that advice and like reflection on maiden. And I love the idea of returning as a student to things or building new practices as a part of the process. When I was going through a bit of an initiation, maybe three or four years ago now, I started signing up for just a class a month about something I had no previous experience with. So during this time, I took macrame courses, embroidery, and even a beginner motorcycle mechanic course. (laughs) That absolutely sounds like something the maiden would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another line that I love in this chapter uh, is bone by bone, hair by hair, wild woman comes back. Through night dreams, through events half understood and half remembered, wild woman comes back. She comes back through story. I think whether we're going to the house of the crone or descending into the underworld, these stories of Persephone, Inanna, and Vasilisa can teach us so much about the maiden. And Kristen, I'm curious, is there a specific maiden character that you're drawn to? Definitely Persephone, because as I think I've mentioned way too many times, I really align with the idea that her descent into the underworld may be a metaphor for discovering creative animus. Mm -hmm. I'm also really drawn to the story and the relationship between Athena and Medusa. Mm -hmm. There's something about the misunderstood deities that makes me want to get to know them better. And as much as I want to dislike Athena for what she did to Medusa, her story is really complex and one that I think many women trying to succeed in a patriarchal society can relate to. What about you? What maidens call to you? I have always loved Artemis, but for some reason kind of found more resonance with uh, the Roman version Diana as a character, and maybe some of this comes from my young obsession with the Amazons and Wonder Woman, but how do you work with this archetype in spell work and in ritual? That's a good question. The Maiden has been really helpful for me as I try to reestablish a relationship with my inner child. I've been trying to do this lately through dreams by asking her to lead me back to some of the dreamscapes that were common during the lucid dreams from my youth. Also, gardening is very ritualistic for me, and since it's something I grew up doing, even simple acts like walking barefoot outdoors connects me with the essence of the maiden. I associate her and probably the triple goddess archetype in general with seeds, Mm -hmm. because a seed seems so unassuming, right? But I think that's part of its power. Like the seed, the maiden appears as an innocent, common thing, for lack of a better (laughs) word. But as we know, nature is anything but ordinary. I recently came across a quote from Lucy Montgomery, who is the author of Anne of Green Gables, among other works, But in one of her stories, she says, It always amazes me to look at the little wrinkled brown seeds and think of the rainbows in them. Mm. And I think that perfectly sums up how I view the maiden. 
unassuming on the exterior, but literally bursting with potential. Do you do something similar when you work with the maiden in your practice, or is it totally different? I love this, and Anne of Green Gables reminds me of my childhood, so that's also funny, but um, I don't know, though the words kind of around inner child work have been kind of touch and go for me. Um, I really love to ask myself if my teenage self or younger self would be excited for me and kind of dealing with that, that joy in relation to each other. And that perspective has really propelled and sparked a lot in my practice, I think. I love that idea. And I know that, like you mentioned earlier, when we decided to do an episode dedicated to the archetype of the maiden, you and I were sort of like, I don't know, hesitant to do it, but it's not because we don't think the maiden isn't important. And so now that we've talked about her so much, I'm curious how you feel and what you would say to someone who might also experience a similar reluctance. Yeah, I I think I would say to them that their wounding around feeling powerless or the trauma that may have happened to them during their maiden years is so real and valid and I see you and I hear you. And I would probably also say, you know, to read Women Who Run With The Wolves if you haven't. I think that when we are able to hold these archetypes collectively, we're able to experience a wholeness and intuitive joy in our lives. So whatever helps us get there, be it, you know, talk therapy, reading, returning as a student, some sort of initiation or working with childhood archetypes, I think I think that would be really powerful for folks. Very well said. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we talk about Ostara and the upcoming spring equinox. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time.